0: I want to share something really cool. Marvel released a new podcast about the Fantastic Four called Marvels. Based on the graphic novel by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, the show is set in New York City, and it does an incredible job of immersing you in the real world of the Marvel Universe and the lives of people who inhabit it. The story takes place as the city braces for its first encounter with Galactus, but it's an audio drama, and it follows a journalist, student, and photographer's mission to unravel a superpower conspiracy. If you want to give Marvels a shot, and you really should, just go to StitcherPremium.com and sign up with the code MYTH. You'll get a free month trial of Stitcher Premium, which will let you listen to Marvels right now. That's StitcherPremium.com with the promo code MYTH. This week on Myths and Legends, it's the original story of Hansel and Gretel, where we will learn a trick for cutting your family's grocery bill in half, which that's actually a sad joke for the Hansel and Gretel story. And we'll see that bread walls and cake roofs are in no way up to code. The creature this time is Crazy Straw Vampire Santa. This is Myths and Legends, episode 163, Crumble. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today's story is one of the incredibly famous ones, and I did a brief version of it on the member show, but then I had someone recommend it to me, and I took a deeper look into the original, and honestly, I really got into it. I never realized it, but Hansel and Gretel is set in a very real historical time period, and while there's some obvious and fun fairy tale ridiculousness, there's a human element, and it kind of hooked me. Of course, today's episode was collected by the Grimm brothers, and published in the early 1800s. As opposed to most fairy tales though, I'm grounding this one pretty solidly in early 14th century Europe. And we'll start with a woodcutter finding something unexpected in the trees. The woodcutter had been around trees his whole life. Even with the Middle Ages education system being basically non-existent, he was pretty sure babies didn't grow in trees. I mean, that's not how his son came along. And when the vulture, the beast that had carried the baby to the tree returned, the woodcutter was certain of it. The woodcutter slashed at the animal with his ax, trying to scare it off, and it worked. The man took the baby into his arms and soothed her as she cried. When he brought the baby home, he placed her next to his son, a baby of about the same age, Gretel. He would call her Gretel. The small family, the woodcutter and his wife, and the children, Hansel and Gretel, lived a quiet life in the forest. The mother tended the farm and educated the children while the father cut wood. Together, they would ride into town and sell the wood, and with what excess they had, they would buy other supplies. It was a simple life, but it was a good one. Then, the year 1315 hit. It was a cool spring, which bled into a cool, rainy summer the worry of farmers morphed into dismay when the grain didn't ripen. The straw and hay for the livestock that year didn't ripen either, so come fall, they had nothing to eat. The people were confident the next year would be better, but when the rains continued into 1316, the people slaughtered the draft animals while there was still enough of them to eat. When the rains continued on into the spring of 1317, the people began to despair. They had eaten the seed grain, slaughtered the animals, and even the kings of Europe were starting to feel what would be known as the Great Famine. The elderly went without food, starving to death so that their children could live, and the cities came out into the forest. Wheat prices had more than tripled, and having eaten their seeds and their animals, people were now foraging edible roots, plants, grasses, and even tree bark to dull the hunger pains. Even the more self-sufficient woodcutter family began to feel the ache of hunger, When their crop survived, and they weren't raided in the night by hungry peasant hordes, they still weren't enough. The family was starving. The woodcutter helped his children to bed, the only time they wouldn't feel hungry, and he sat up with his wife. Their sunken eyes met, and she nodded. He knew what they had to do. He said he wasn't having this conversation again, but she focused his eyes on her. This was a kindness. The parents had already given up all they could for the children. They had nothing left to give. If the children stayed, it was death. Period. Is this what he wanted? Did he want his children to rise one morning and not be able to wake their parents? What then? The woodcutter stroked his beard. But leaving them in the forest? An animal would kill them before they lasted a day. The wife nodded. Maybe. That would be quick, at least. Better than starving to death in a cabin. There was always a chance they could find some way to survive. They had learned to forage. They had spent their childhood in the forest up to this point. Two children could live on far less than a family. Out there, at least, was a chance. In here, only death. The woodcutter buried his face in his hands. He knew she spoke the truth and for the first time in months, he accepted it. He would lead them out to the forest tomorrow. In their bed, Gretel put her hand over Hansel's mouth so the parents wouldn't hear the weeping. They laid there as they did most nights, in dull agony, waiting to succumb to their exhaustion, to have some respite from the constant pain. The house went dark, and Hansel shook his sister. He told her to come with him. He had an idea. The idea, it turned out, was very small rocks. He filled his pockets with the smooth white stones around their home and told Gretel it was going to be okay. The morning of that fateful day, Hansel lagged behind. Finally, his father looked back to see Hansel gazing at the roof. Father, I'm just looking at my white cat who sits on the roof. He wants to say goodbye to me, Hansel said with a smile. The father palmed at this obvious stall move. The mother grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him on. It wasn't his cat. They didn't have a cat. If they did, they would have eaten it by now. That's the sun. Don't stare at it. There was a reason Hansel was lagging behind, though. Every few feet, he dropped one of those smooth white stones that he had piled in his pockets the night before. With his mother gripping his wrist and pulling him on, she didn't even notice the stones falling. When they made it to the clearing, the parents told the children to sit and play while they worked. The father made a fire, but stay here. Don't come looking for them. They'd be back. It's just like any other normal day. I'm not crying. You're crying. The father hugged the children close and passed them something very important. He had gone into town the other day. Wheat prices were insane, but he wanted to give them a chance. It was half a loaf of bread. He told them to stay put. He would be back for them at the end of the day. Hansel and Gretel sat there in the forest clearing listening to their parents work just inside the tree line as they had done for so many years they were actually surprised when toward quitting time they still heard the rhythmic thud of an axe chopping at the tree finally well after nightfall Hansel stood the axe was still chopping the trees maybe they weren't leaving the children he pushed aside some branches and nodded Nope, they were gone. In the forest, tied to a branch and swaying in the wind, another piece of wood hit the trunk of a nearby tree. giving the illusion of a woodcutter working, the parents had actually done it. They had left Hansel and Gretel. The children, though, had a plan. The sun had just set, so they just had to deal with the sounds of the forest for an hour or two. It was a medieval fairy tale forest. Pretty much anything could be out there, but the children stayed in one place and prayed that it would be a clear night. It was, and as soon as the moon rose that evening and the milky moonlight touched them, the white stones that Hansel had dropped glowed and they led Hansel and Gretel on their way home. On the way back, they thought about it. They had to hand it to mom and dad. They were thorough. Not only did they go to a part of the forest that Hansel and Gretel had never seen before, but they doubled back half a dozen times to throw them off the trail home. I guess when you abandon kids in a forest, you pull out all the stops. The next morning, when the parents awoke to find Hansel and Gretel in their bed, both of them smiled. No one really addressing what had happened the day before. The father was happy, but the mother only pretended to be. It had been heartbreaking to leave the children in the forest but now they had to do it all over again or go through starving to death together. Things continued on for a few more weeks until, once again, the inevitable reared its head. The family was starving and the parents, who I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and assume they tried everything before they got to the abandoning your children in the forest option, once again decided that it must be done for everyone to have a chance. The mother, who was confused as to how the kids found their way back the last time, when she and her husband were almost lost, found the white stones. The night before they were to leave again, Hansel and Gretel found that the door was locked. They couldn't get the stones. Seems kind of contradictory to lock the kids in when you're going to be leading them out into the forest to die the next day. But eh, it's a bold move. We'll see if it pays off for them. And by pays off, I mean starving to death wondering what happens to your kids. Yeah, it's... It's dark for all involved. At that, Gretel began to weep. But Hansel comforted her. He told her that they would pray. God is very kind. He will help them. Well, I was wrong about that God thing. We're doomed big bro Hansel said as the trail went irrevocably cold. Without the stones, he only had what was left of the bread from a few weeks back and mom didn't remotely buy that he was looking back at a little dove on the roof. He was only able to drop breadcrumbs once every few feet but as he feared, when they checked after the parents built the fire and left them in the clearing to go and clumsily tied a stick to the tree before running away, the breadcrumbs were gone, eaten by hungry animals. They tried to start off on their own, but they ended up spending most of the morning hiking in circles, looping deeper and deeper into the forest that none of the family members had ever seen before. As evening melted into night and the kids found the last of the trail, they realized something. Not only had they lost their way back, they had lost the fire that their father had built for them. Despite everything, despite all their precautions, it had happened. They had been abandoned in the wilderness. As the sounds of the forest closed in around them, brother and sister held each other close, neither having any idea what to do next. At the end of day three, the kids collapsed. They had slept when they could, which was almost never, and they ate the last of the bread pretty much instantly. They drank deep from streams they came across, but knew that if they kept going at this pace, they were going to die. As they neared a clearing, their bodies made the decision for them and Hansel and Gretel dropped. It was well into evening when they awoke, the dull pain in their abdomen having turned sharp days ago. Gretel forced herself to open her eyes, though she wondered what the point was. They were just gonna die. They might as well lay down and make quick work for the animals and What was that? She felt like she was drawn from the ground like a puppet. She roused Hansel from his sleep, and the kids looked into the clearing. They were both seeing this, right? Before them, in the clearing, was a cottage, which was surprising in its own right. No one lived this deep into the forest, but this cottage was different. This cottage was food. It had walls of bread, a roof of cake, and windows of barley sugar, Now, when you've been starving for days after being abandoned by your parents in a fairy tale dark forest, you aren't thinking, hey, why does this building exist? Like, give those bread walls a week and you're either buried in cake roof after they get so soggy they couldn't bear the load, or they've been eaten through by birds and forest animals. Speaking of rain, one shower would annihilate those sugar windows and make that likely bird poop covered cake roof a runny mess. This food house is very much not built to last. But as Hansel said in munching on the roof and Gretel licking the windows, it did its job. Okay, so free witch pro tip. If you're luring children into your house during a time of famine, you probably don't need the cake roof or even the bread walls. Literally one loaf of even somewhat moldy bread would have achieved the same ends. But the little old lady inside the house was extra like that. As Hansel was rolling and frosting and Gretel was headbutting the glass and getting to chomping on window two, They heard from inside a soft, sweet voice. Tip-tap, tip-tap. Who goes there? Hansel looked at Gretel. Who shrugged? It's uh, the wind that blows through the air. Hansel looked to his sister with a thumbs up. Nailed it. Gretel smiled back and elbowed window three. Just then, the door opened and an old fairy glided out. The kids froze and dropped what they were holding. But the woman only smiled. Then she noticed the torn clothes, the fresh scratches, the dirt caked on them from days in the forest. She furrowed her brow in concern. Oh, children, where have you been wandering about? Come in with me. You shall have something good. The woman disappeared inside the house. Hansel cocked an eyebrow. Better than roof cake? Doubtful, but he'd give it a shot. As they both looked on the table, packed with milk, pancakes, sugar, sugar pancakes, apples and nuts, they smiled. When they dug in, they said that the old woman knew that there was like worst famine in forever ravaging Europe right now, right? The woman shrugged. She lived deep in the forest. She didn't get out much. Ah, she sighed. These poor kids, they were so skinny. It was gonna take so long. Gretel looked from side to side. So long for what? The witch arched her eyebrows, oh, until they were well enough to travel again. Not anything nefarious. Anywho, they were welcome to stay as long as they wanted. She had two extra child-sized beds. She pointed to the beds that sat in the corner of the room. Oh, you have two children's beds, but no children, grandchildren, relatives, friends. Yeah, that's normal. Wait, is that blood on one of the sheets? Hey, you two look tired, I think. I can't see that well because I'm just a frail old lady. Oh, you should just relax your defenses and go to sleep. And you know, if you see anything that looks like a body part, just brush it to the floor. The kids, though suspicious, were also extremely tired. And even if it was blood in the bed, it was still better than sleeping in the forest and running from howling wolves or whatever else hissed and growled at them from the darkness. The kids dropped down in the beds and immediately passed out. we'll see that the solution to getting out of the fairy tale forest is somehow more dangerous than the fairy tale forest itself
1: but that will be right after this
0: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. It was early morning and Hansel couldn't quite describe it. But he felt like something was off, like he was being watched. He opened his eyes and saw her eyes. In the darkness, standing over him, red eyes glowed. As soon as he opened his mouth to scream, a hand shot from the darkness with spindly, hard fingers, and they wrapped around his neck. He tried to thrash, but she only gripped him harder, telling him to calm down or he died here. Then, his sister would be forced to deal with the results of all this unpleasantness. Hansel relaxed, but the fairy didn't. She lifted him from bed and dragged him from the small cottage. As the darkness started to encroach from the edges of his vision, he could see that the house wasn't as it had been the previous day. In place of the cake roof and gingerbread walls was a dreary little wooden hut. The wood warped and rotting. The fairy too was different a far cry from the Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo fairy that they encountered the previous evening, this woman was wiry and haggard, her eyes glowing red and her nails curling around like claws until they started to cut into Hansel's skin. Hansel gasped and sucked at the air when the witch tossed him into the stable out back, slamming the door shut before he had time to recover. Minutes later, Gretel awoke with a slap to the face as the witch pressed the water bucket down on the girl's chest. She told the girl to get up and get some water for her brother, then start cooking. She was going to fatten him up to eat him. Gretel had so many questions, but another slap to the face made it quite clear that none of those were going to be answered. She wasn't allowed any contact with Hansel, until later on that day when she brought him a bucket full of pancakes with fruit and nuts, alongside a second bucket full of heavy cream. This witch wasn't messing around. Hansel flew to the hatch. He begged his sister for answers, what was going on? Gretel slid the buckets inside. She said that the fairy was a witch, and the witch was fattening Hansel up to eat him. Gretel would cook for him, and he would eat it. And when he was ready, the witch would eat him. There was a long silence from inside the barn. So, the food's not poisoned or anything? Gretel shook her head. That would be counterproductive. Uh. Okay, so, I just sit in relative comfort and eat? Gretel nodded. Yeah. But he would die at the end of it. She was so sorry, Hansel. Hansel? Hansel didn't hear that last bit. He was already downing those sugar pancakes and chasing them with heavy cream. After two weeks of the artery-clogging goodness that was Gretel's cooking, the results began to show. So, in order to prolong her brother's life, Gretel slipped him a chicken bone. Every morning, the nearsighted witch would come out to feel the progress on Hansel, but she couldn't open the door, or else he'd make a break for it, so she had him hold a finger out of the hatch. As the weeks went on, and there started to be more and more finger, Gretel found a solution. Now, he just held the bone out, and the witch pinched it. It bought him a few more weeks of relaxing on piles of hay, and slurping heavy cream. Gretel's time was... less relaxing. She wasn't left alone to eat herself to heart disease, but instead, she spent her time looking at all the food she was making for her brother, but never getting to taste it. The witch, despite her poor vision, always seemed to know when Gretel took a bite. And after the first several beatings, Gretel stopped trying. All she had to eat was crab shells and stagnant water, but just enough to keep her alive. In a way giving her brother the chicken bone was just extending her own torture because it wasn't like she was going to be set free after the witch ate Hansel. Their timeline sped up though when the witch, after feeling Hansel's quite literally bony finger, announced that fattened up or no, Hansel would be cooked and eaten in one week. She had waited long enough. The whole week, Gretel mourned for her brother and herself. She wished the wild beasts of the forest had eaten them. Then at least it would have been quick. The witch, who was always in earshot, chuckled, hey, you win some, you lose some. Except Hansel and Gretel, they lost pretty much all the time. The morning of the big meal, Gretel was working the bellows, bringing the fire up. The witch told her that they would bake first. She had already kneaded the dough, and they were going to start out with something bread and butter. It was a big day, they were going to do it up like they were at a fancy restaurant. Anyway, she needed to check the heat, so Gretel should climb in there to make sure the oven's hot enough. I'm sorry, what? Gretel asked. The old woman gestured to the open oven, the flames already licking the interior. She wanted to know if the oven was hot enough. She wanted Gretel to climb in and tell her, so get climbing. Gretel put her hands on her hips. Okay, she officially didn't understand what the witch was asking her to do. The witch gestured to the open door, just climb in the oven and tell her if it's hot enough. The thermometer won't be invented for like 250 years, so... Sending children into ovens was obviously the next best thing. Gretel said she had never heard of that. So, okay, how does one climb into an oven? The witch blinked. Was Gretel serious right now? You just climb in the open door. You know, the one with all that searingly hot air spewing from it? Basic stuff. Gretel wrapped a cloak around herself. The witch asked what she was doing. The girl replied that she was going up on the roof. Duh. The hole with all the hot air coming out of it? That's the chimney, the witch said, and then exhaled. (sighs) Look, it's the one right here, with the heavy iron door. The witch stood in front of it, and then propped one foot up. See, it was big enough that even the witch could climb in if she wanted to. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That makes a lot of sense now. Thank you for the demonstration. Also bye, Gretel said, and planted her foot firmly on the witch's back. As the woman tumbled into the fire, Gretel got to the iron door with just enough time to slam it. Bracing on the cupboards to hold herself in place, she was probably praying that the door and her strength would hold against the pounding, screaming woman on the other side. When the jolts of the door became less and less, Gretel dared to hope for the first time in a month. After holding the door for a few minutes longer, she cracked it open and, ew, yeah, it was over. Wow, she hated the evil witch, but she really wished she didn't see that. She ran to the barn and threw open the door to see Hansel tapping his foot. Where was second breakfast? Wait, the door was open? The door was open. He shirked back in fear. Where was the witch? Gretel smiled. She was dead. This long, horrible month was over.
1: Hansel stood and brushed hay from
0: his shirt. I mean, yeah, the threat of death was bad and all, but it was actually an okay month for me. We're still in one of the worst famines in 1,000 years, and I just ate pancakes for a month straight and got off scot-free, so I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, the bathroom situation wasn't great in there. I had to muck out my own stall, but otherwise, pretty solid month. Gretel pursed her lips. Oh, how great for you. She just killed the evil witch while narrowly avoiding her own death after spending a month eating clamshells in between beatings and hours of hard labor. She didn't even know how to eat clamshells, but she did it. Good that Hansel had a nice vacation though. Thanks, sis, Hansel said. Gretel rolled her eyes and said that before they started on the road home, wherever that was, she had something that would put their problems to rest. They were easy to find because the witch didn't even try to hide them. In the corners of her house were the results of years, decades, centuries even, of killing and eating travelers that happened to find their way to her hut. Knights, nobles, merchants, royalty... All that and more had passed through and passed on. And the witch kept what they left. In the corners were piles of gemstones, gold and pearls. As the kids piled their pockets full of stones, Hansel laughed. You know, it's kind of cool to end at the beginning, so to speak. They piled stones in their pockets to save themselves. And now they were piling stones in their pockets to end their journey and save themselves. It was kind of poetic, right, Gretel? 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 Ah, she was probably still mad about a month of being tortured while he got a never-ending buffet. He'd bring up his insightful observation later. But later wasn't a much better time. The problem they had before the witch's hut was still a problem after. They had no idea how to get home. They were less hungry now, which was nice, but the provisions they had raided from the witch's cupboards would only last so long. Then, luck or a blessing from God brought them to a lake. It was a long one, they knew it. They knew the lake. It was on the very edges of the woods they had traveled their whole life. And for the first time in over a month, they knew their way home. Unfortunately, it was across a lake. It would be hours of walking on either side and that might put them into a different part of the woods they didn't recognize. They didn't see any way across. Until Gretel spotted the ducks. Wait, what? Hansel asked. You want to ride across on, on ducks? Like giant fairy tale ducks? Gretel shook her head. Nope. Regular, normal ducks. Like three and a half pound ducks. You realize we're regular human children, right? I'm pretty sure that's not a thing, Hansel noted. But Gretel was already singing. I won't sing. I won't subject you all to that. But the rhyme goes as follows Here are two children, mournful, very, seeing neither bridge nor fairy. Take us upon your white back and row us over. Quack, quack. Hansel sighed. Okay, what a normal and productive thing to do right now. Now, did she want to go north or south along the lake? It was going to be nightfall soon, so they should probably get started. And, huh, those ducks, those ducks are actually coming over. You want us to step on your back? Hansel said to the white duck when he appeared. You sure that won't, you know, kill you? I mean, you're just a normal duck. We're going separately, Gretel said, and told Hansel to get on. He did, and even though the bike seat-sized duck was small, it stayed afloat. Hansel bobbed up and down. Huh, who knew? Well, I mean, I did, Gretel said. It just, it's been a long month. Just get going. When the duck had taken them both across the lake, Gretel presumably quacked out a thank you because apparently that's something she can do now, and the pair continued on. They spent a night out in the forest, though they had spent three nights starving in the forest previously, followed by 30 plus in the captivity of a cannibalistic witch, so they had very much seen worse. Their first night away from the witch, they made a fire and slept until morning. When the sun rose, they noticed something. They were starting to recognize the trees and trails. They were getting close to home. As they pressed on, They knew more and more until, seeing smoke rising from the trees, they parted the brush and saw their family's humble cabin. Their parents had left them, twice, to die in the forest. But both kids couldn't help but run, throw open the door, and rush into the arms of their father. In the nearly five weeks they had been gone, two things had happened. The parents had never stopped thinking of the children, and the mother had finally succumbed to starvation. Now, the father was gaunt and dying himself. As Gretel shook out her pockets and apron, pearls and precious stones clattered to the floor. Hansel threw handful after handful of riches himself and, keeping a handful, rushed into town to buy something, anything for his father. A day later, they all stood around the mound of dirt outside. The father was recovering and the witch's riches had saved the family. The mother, callous though her plan had seemed, had been right. In forcing the children out into the forest, in rolling the dice and praying they would find help, she had saved the family she would never live to see. I ended on kind of a forgiving note for the mother who is often so maligned in telling the story. The later versions of the story change her into an evil stepmother. I've read that because, of all things that are terrifying for children in the grim stories, the fact that it was their mother pushing for their abandonment was too much for the young audience, and that detail had to be changed. Not the evil cannibalistic witch. As a parent, I couldn't help but try to get inside the head of someone making such an impossible choice. So that's why I made her more sympathetic in this telling. And also, I know last week I mentioned The Robert Bridegroom. I really dug in and enjoyed the story, and ended up spending way more time on it than I thought. So we're going to do the crazy, bloody, horrifying tale of The Robber Bridegroom, but we're going to do it at a later date. The creature this time is the Pamayama from India. So if you're walking down the road and see an old woman with poisonous fingernails get up from a funeral pyre, Run. I don't know if you know this, that's not normal behavior. Like many creatures, she loves blood and will be more than happy to relieve you of yours. But say you get home after being chased by a witchy vampire and have a drink or five to take the edge off. Well, that's also a bad idea because that witchy vampire, she's not giving up. She'll climb upon your roof and unwind her magical thread, which she'll drop down your chimney and after the drinks take effect you're good and sleepy, you won't notice that thread creeping across the room like a snake. The witch's thread will find you and burrow deep in your skin, and then the witch will conjure your blood up from the string for an all-she-can-drink buffet. There are a few requirements from a Pameyama attack. It's pretty much always a woman who either passes out drunk or falls asleep. So, you know, don't pass out drunk or fall asleep in your own house. Admittedly, that last one is a bit difficult not to do, but really you could probably just close your flue and not have to worry about rogue vampire crazy straws finding their way into your living room. And, I mean, thirsty witches aside, you should probably be closing your flue when you're not using your fireplace anyway. When they're not trying to tie one on by tying their thread to your chimney and drinking your higher-than-normal ABV blood, they're possessing corpses, which, in the range of things to possess, has to be pretty close to the bottom. Like, Not only is no one buying that the person they just buried is all walking around and mean now, but it's a corpse. And the witch possesses it. Becomes it. Like, ugh. It's all rotten and decomposing and stuff. As if the person your town recently buried coming shambling through isn't enough of a dead giveaway. Huh? Whenever the Pamiyama possesses a corpse, it can't quite get it completely right. And its feet are backwards. So not only do you have a zombie shambling toward you, You have a zombie falling every five feet because its feet are facing backwards. As far as creature threats go, this one feels like it can be safely ignored until the Pamiyama just decides to give it up. It's too annoying and just goes back to bed in that pile of ashes. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. And I want to say thanks to Safe for sponsoring us this week. If you've been thinking about home security, there is no better time to get it than right now. Starting this week, Safe Home Security is giving our listeners exclusive deals for Black Friday. Safe almost never has deals like this. This is already the best value in home security. And right now, you'll get all the savings from this massive Black Friday sale. Just visit simplysafecom legends. This offer ends Cyber Monday. That's Monday, December 2nd. So go before then. SimplySafe.com slash legends. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.